It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. For help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Chuck Wagon belongs in Texas. Chuck Hayes whispers to himself. It is a quiet affirmation more than a statement of fact. Though, as it happens, he is in fact rolling through a vast expanse of Texas scrubland. It had been a couple weeks since he was released by the Rockets, and Chuck Hayes had seen all manner of hardship. He was so naive, he thought, his busted axle bumping along behind him, the once clean canvas covering of the wagon bleached bone yellow by the sun and torn through in parts, sagging where it was once taut. He'd forged a river and flooded out his supplies, run over a dozen rattlers, all for a treasure he was no longer sure even existed. He'd found the map tucked into the sleeve of his old raptor's warm-up jacket, the one he brought with him even to away games, much to the chagrin and squinting suspicion of Boss McHale. It had fluttered down to the floor, pushed out by his arm, just after the last game. No stranger to locker room pranks, Chuck looked around to see if anyone was waiting in the wings ready to pounce. Beverly? It seems like something he'd do. But no, most of the guys were busy trying to restrain Dwight Howard from diving into the promotional box of Rittersport chocolate bars that had shown up in the locker room. Weird flavors, too. Pfeffermans? Cusper flakes? No thanks. Chuck carefully unrolled the thin paper to find a map. This must be old as hell, he murmured, judging by the paper's stained brown hue and the patches where it had been burned through. Wayward embers, Chuck whispered, tracing a finger around one of the holes. Will you coach, Chuck? 
He spun around, startled, to find Sam Decker waiting tentatively behind him in the visiting locker room at the Staples Center. The moment seemed to have happened in another era, long ago. The patina of the younger man's skin was already fading out in memory. Who are you, man? Chuck responded. But damn, did he think about it now. Along with all the other questions that had plagued him at night, circling and diving and buzzing with the unrelenting clouds of striped Texas mosquitoes. Where did he go from here? And where was here? And who was that lanky white guy, seriously? With a grunt, Chuck pushed on, all four wooden wheels groaning in unison. Near as he could tell, he was moving due east, and with a little luck, the endless canyon he found himself in would open soon into greener valleys, and then the slow southern slope leading down to the Gulf of Mexico. He felt a little foolish, sure, when all he'd done was try to head out to Papado Seafood Kitchen for shrimp scampi, like he'd done every time he'd returned to Houston. It was nothing like his own secret recipe, which he'd only shared with foodreference.com. But it came with a complimentary bun basket, and they did not skimp on the garlic. He'd wanted to have one last meal before setting out for the treasure that Matt promised. But when it had been two hours into the usual 20-minute trip across town to Papado, and he heard what he guessed was a coyote, he suddenly realized the thing he'd been waiting at to change for 20 minutes wasn't a streetlight, but an overgrown prickly pear cactus. He was lost. More than lost. Could have used that scampi. He grumbled, and his stomach answered forlornly. Something shimmered up ahead in the dozing midday heat. Chuck squinted. It couldn't be. Was this the gleaming blonde head of his once compatriot, Greg Steamsma, guiding him to what looked like a break in this dag-nabbed cabin? As he rolled closer to the mirage, his excitement dissipated. Emerging on horseback from a hidden cave came an all-too-familiar figure. Howdy, friend! Matt Barnes smirked, tipping his Stetson. Instinctively, Chuck moved to tip his headband, but quickly caught himself. It was Barnes. It was a trap. Say, you're a long way from home, ain't you? Barnes sneered. But hell, where is home for you anyway these days, Hayes? With the flick of the reins, Chuck moved the wagon on. Everyone knew Barnes was a liability, and Chuck knew better than to engage him. Not so fast, Barnes said. He let out a long, high whistle. And from the cave came a scrambling big baby Davis atop a donkey. The baby let out a wild yip, and from another rocky outcropping stepped a Zorro-masked Mason Plumley. <gasps> the bad twin. Hayes gasped, though he wasn't sure why he needed the mask, as Mason had neglected to remove his uniform. Chuck was getting impatient. What do you want, Barnes? That's the Barnes gang to you, Chuck. And what we want is that there map. Matt Barnes spurred his horse to block the break in the canyon, barricading the way out. Inexplicably, Plumley flanked him on a hover track. Big Baby crowded in on his donkey, ostentatiously taking vines of himself, lip-syncing to Adele's hello. I've got no map, and I'll be getting along now. Chuck Hayes, with all the determination he brought to his free throws, always falling forward from standing still somehow, nudged his team forward. With a nod from Barnes, Plumley swung up onto the back of the wagon, scuffing the hell out of the wood finish and startling Chuck's horse, Orlando, who was named after his favorite contemporary actor in mid-sized Metropolis and tethered to the back of the wagon. Now you knock that off, you hear? Hayes shouts, voice rising slightly. 
I won't have you fussing with my wagon, and I sure won't have you scaring my horse. Mikhail won't be pleased about this one bit, and you're a free agent next year. What if this gets back to Rihanna, Matt? His wheels are muddy, but Lord, if he wasn't proud, he would fight. He knew then. Barnes howls, or maybe hoots, but it's a terrible sound because he doesn't know how to actually laugh. <laughs> That's rich. Mikhail's been fired, and I've met her. He's met her. Big Baby Davis mumbles, poking his head out of the wagon's canvas. We know you found it in that old jacket. Barnes leers. You're pathetic, Chuck. Now hand it over and save yourself whatever dignity you've got left. There's a glint in Barnes's hand, and Chuck sees he's taken out a knife that looks as mean as he does. Or we can do this my way. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Chuck knew, as his gentle oxen team spooked at the tinny sounds of timber by Pitbull featuring Kesha blaring from Big Baby's phone, but this did not look good. The wagon lurched forward and picked up speed as his team took off, veering sharply away from Barnes and the distinctly era-inappropriate cutlets he was waving around. Baby Davis and Mason Plumley were bucked off the wagon in the commotion, but still Pitbull faintly played on. Try as he might, Chuck couldn't get his team under control to ride the wagon. Without hesitation, he carefully shimmied up the wagon tongue to the animal's yoke, ignoring the screeching sound of Barnes's laughter <laughs> and humming along to the chorus of what could very well be one of the greatest pop hits of all time as he expertly moved his pocket knife against the leather straps that kept his team tethered. The canyon wall loomed closer, but Chuck worked diligently against the odds, as in all things. With 15 seconds to impact, he moved back down to the driver's seat, through the interior and to the back of the wagon, where Orlando eyed him knowingly and swung his lean body sideways so Chuck could hop on. He slipped the reins from the hook, and the horse pivoted lightly at the same time the oxen jerked their own bodies to the right, away from the cliff face. The last thread Chuck had left in their harness leather snapped so that they could run free from the wagon as it smashed into the red canyon wall and splintered. From the back of Orlando, Chuck gave a solemn nod to say goodbye. She was a damn fine wagon, he said. Now let's see what's to be done about these varmints back here. Orlando snorted and spun on his hind legs to charge back toward the Barnes gang. You never did know when to call it quits, Hayes. He turned his attention to his two lackeys, still rolling in the dirt from their spill. Get up! He spat, then booted his own horse with his spurs and charged toward the solemn Chuck Hayes. Chuck leaned down over the neck of Orlando and repeated the words that had been said to him so many times by so many a coaching staff, except for Westfall, who he never listened to. 
Come on now, you know what to do. Don't matter it's not where we're used to, it's just like we practiced. The horse nickered and lengthened his stride, making directly for Barnes and that strange seafaring cutlass. Where did he even get that? Now glinting in the overhead sun. Barnes's first mistake was that he couldn't keep his heiress straight for costume appropriation, but his second was taking Chuck for a fool. At the last moment before impact, Chuck Hayes threw open his black duster to reveal his prized Raptors warm-up jacket. Its once triumphant red and royal purple colors took on a new sheen under the high noon sun, and the glare momentarily blinded Barnes and made him yank back hard on his reins as he moved to cover his eyes. Barnes's horse pulled a hard stop, sending the villain flying forward to the ground, where he lay wreathed in Hayes' dust. With Barnes' dispatch for the time being, Chuck circled the cowering Plumley and Davis. Now I aim to give both of you a chance to put this behind you, Hayes told them. So long as you clear out back to your respective locker rooms and don't come bothering me and my horse again. The pair nodded. Mason didn't even move to fix his askew eyepiece, which Chuck now noticed was an old Hamburglar mask. And furthermore, have some respect for yourselves and quit hanging around Matt Barnes. You boys know damn well all he's good for is draining your minutes, and I mean from the shot clock of your lives. With the tip of his headband, Hayes turned to Orlando and started to trot towards the mouth of the canyon. But the sharp sound of rattlers stopped him. He looked around, eyeing the scrub and boulders to no avail. Something momentarily blocked the sun, and he looked up to find on the outcropping above him, Miles and Marshall Plumley feverishly rewinding egg timers to imitate the sound of angry snakes. What in the... Colonial Revival! Apartment Complex! The guttural screams of their probably self-appointed Duke-ass college nicknames echoed through the canyon. The widely considered Good Twin and the Blue Devil Center dove from the ledge at the same time. The brothers ripped at his warm-up jacket, desperate to tear it off and take this talisman from him. The scene was reaching a fevered pitch. Barnes approached on foot with his pirate sword in his teeth, and Mason had recovered his hover tracks. Big Baby was queuing up another Pitbull song on YouTube. Chuck wasn't sure he'd walk away from this one, when all at once, everybody was knocked on their asses by a helicopter descending out of nowhere. Pinned to the ground, they all remained motionless as the enormous chopper landed and the tinted door slid open to reveal the crowned head of Vince Carter. Vince the Prince! They all gasped at once. Vince Carter strode immediately to Chuck and helped him to his feet, dusting him off. Man, when I left you that map, I definitely did not expect this. Chuck stared. It's yours, but it's so old. Come on, man. Didn't your kid ever do that thing in school with the tea bags to make your paper look old? The wayward embers. Chuck shook his head. He'd smelled them. You do it on your stovetop element. Vince Carter side-eyed the Barnes gang to make sure they were still too stupefied to move. They were. Anyway, let's get out of here. Where? Chuck Hayes, never one to let naysayers get to him, finally considered the earlier words of Barnes. I don't belong anywhere anymore. Vince sincerely pshawed. Why do you think I gave you that map? I want you to come work for me, Chuck. I want to be my general manager. A beautiful horse trailer had come out of the gap, and her crew was gently loading up Orlando and the two oxen. We're going to set you all up with a place in Daytona Beach and a place in... Orlando. Chuck nodded, heaving a weary sigh and removing his headband. Vince moved to the waiting helicopter, where Big Baby and the Plumleys were also given seats and cell phones to take angry calls from their coaches. He looked back to find Chuck still standing a few paces behind, headband in hand at his side. What is it, Chuck? Is there another job you wanted? 
It ain't that. And I want you to know how grateful I am. Chuck said. But it's time for me to make my own way. Maybe a chuck wagon belongs in Texas. Maybe it belongs back in California. Maybe it doesn't belong any of those places at all. I aim to sort it out on my own terms. But do me a favor. See to it that my hitch team gets put out to pasture. Vince Carter shrugged. Do you, buddy. I'll take care of your cows. With a soft cluck to Orlando, Chuck headed out in the direction he sincerely hoped was south, sliding on some promotional Klipsch headphones and hitting play on his discman. The setting sun was going crazy on his tattered warm-up jacket, bathing him in a glow of purple, gold, and red, like a 6'4 phoenix rising. He had nothing but time now. Hell, he'd love to start it off with that hot plate of scampi. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.